All righty. Well, good morning to all of you. And we are continuing on in our series called Free Indeed. And what we're doing is we're covering a variety of terms that are pretty Lutheran in nature. And over the last few weeks, we've covered law and gospel. We covered grace. And today, as you heard, we're going to cover saint and sinner. And so if we rewind the clock and we go back about 500 years to the Luther days, we can look at what Luther was all about. We know that he's the one that coined this term. And Luther was in the middle of a storm, and he was really fearing for his life. So he made a deal with God. If you save me, I will dedicate my life to you. I'll become a monk. Have you ever bargained with God like that? I do it all the time. So it's probably why I'm a pastor today, actually. <laughs> but Luther did this, and he bargained, and God, of course, saved him. So Luther dedicated his life as a monk to the Lord. But one of the um, concepts that his teachers were, were often reiterating was that the gospel was a conditional promise. Meaning that he was told that God saves those who really want to be saved and who would show it in their lives. And something didn't sit right with Luther about that concept. In fact, it kind of tortured him, to be really honest. And so Luther would dwell on this and he would think and he'd say, you know, maybe I don't really want to be saved. Maybe I'm just trying to avoid punishment. Maybe I don't even love God. And Luther would just beat himself up with this. So what he did was he became overly committed to the requirements of the monastery to the point where like the monastery leaders were saying like, chill out, buddy. Like you don't need to flog yourself. You're doing a little bit too much. But he was so uncertain and depressed over this. So he dove into scriptures. And he tried to get an answer by ripping apart the word of God. And all of a sudden, something amazing happened. He started to see what that gospel was that these people were talking about. He started to see it in a new way. So where he had heard the teacher say, God saves those who really want to be saved. What Luther was seeing in scripture is God saves those God wants to save. And instead of the teacher saying, God save those who really show their faith, here's what he found in the Bible. God shows God's love through the lives of those he saves by making people new. It shifted things. And all of a sudden, Luther's big aha moment was that he re realized the gospel wasn't conditional at all. In fact, the gospel was an unconditional promise which God makes to God's people. And so what I'm going to invite you to do is think about this unconditional promise, this undeserved, unconditional, forgiving love that is being offered to all of us. If you started to shift this and realize that this gift wasn't just for Luther, but this gift is for us as well, would it flip your world upside down? So we each have an identity, right? I'm a mom, I'm a daughter, I'm an auntie, I'm a niece, I'm a cousin, I'm a friend, I'm a pastor, but I'm also a sinner, as are you. We all know that. But do you know when the Lord sees me, do you know what the Lord sees instead of a sinner? The Lord sees a saint. And how can it be that I can be so despicable in so many ways on this, in this earthly journey that I can say that with confidence, that when the Lord sees me, the Lord sees a saint. When I say the word saint, who pops into your mind? For me, I love Mother Teresa. 
She is one of my heroes. So I think of Mother Teresa. And there is no way in this lifetime that I think I measure up to Mother Teresa. So it makes me think that I will always fall short of being a saint. But I want to tell you a little bit about what it means to become a saint in the way we know it. That comes from the Catholic tradition. It's a real lengthy process. Saint Bede waited 1164 years before he was deemed a saint. And it's a process made by humans. And what they do to determine whether or not you, this, the process is called canonization, and whether you are deemed worthy of being a saint, they look at what you've done in your lifetime to see if you lived a righteous life, to see if you had a healing act of a miracle, what you've done. However, when we are called saints by the Lord, it has nothing to do with what we have done. It has everything to do with what Jesus has done for us. That's a big aha moment for us. So often in our services, you'll hear us, we'll, we'll do the Apostles' Creed. And we start that out by saying, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. So I want to begin here because these are words that we say that tell us that God has chosen to be in relationship with us much as the same way as we are in relationship with a mother or a child or a father or a child, a parental relationship, intimate, right? You know each other well. God chooses that relationship. God also chooses to create each of us. So some of us are oops babies, right? Where our parents didn't really expect us. But God knew that. God chose you. God knit you together because God has a purpose for you. Whether you believe that or not is irrelevant. God chose you because God is the creator. So here we are created as these righteous beings because that's what God wanted us to be. And then sin creeps in. Sin enters into this and tries to be a Lord over our lives. And I want you to think of your own life. Where has sin snuck in? Where has sin led you to believe that you still have control over your life? Sin has a way of doing that. Sin tries to um, convince us that we're happy and we're free and we're secure, while all along it's slowly deteriorating our insides. It's slowly destroying us. That's why it's a rotten Lord, right? But we have this, this, um, this devil, this Satan, this enemy, this darkness that literally Luther says is the master of a thousand acts. You don't even know that he's sneaking in because he's so cunning and deceptful, deceitful. You never even realize he's doing this. That's why sin has such a grip on us. That's why we are sinners. But... Paul tells us this is not uncommon. Paul says in this Romans text, for I do what I do not want. I do the very thing I hate because sin has a way of doing that to us. But when we look to Christ and when we shift our perspective, we see an entirely different kind of Lord over our lives. We see somebody who doesn't only look out for himself. We see a God who doesn't try to trick us for gain. We see a Jesus who works quietly, trying to make all kinds of things new in our life, trying to make things happen for us. We don't even need to be aware of God's influence in it. But all of a sudden, we realize something good is happening. We haven't been lied to. We haven't been deceived. 
We realize good is working and we are being freed from the power of sin. And this is not our own doing. It's because we have this God who cares for us in love. Jesus never did anything for himself. Jesus did it for us. And when Jesus forgives us, Jesus is setting us free from the bondage of the sin. But we'd be silly to think it was that easy. We'd be silly to think that sin and death would go down without a fight. Which is precisely why we all have these struggles in our lives. But the one thing we know for sure is that Christ already won this battle. Because when Jesus went to the cross for us, when Jesus died a sinner's death, he set us free. When he resurrected, he gave us new life. So I want you to hear this because I can't tell you how many people will say things to me like, oh, I'm going to hell for sure. It's probably come out of your own mouth. Maybe I've threatened my kids a time or two with it. But I will tell you this, when our time is up and you are standing before the creator, just like that board was wiped clean, your slate has been wiped clean. Because of the act of love of Jesus' sacrifice for us, you are made righteous and holy in the eyes of God. You will not stand before the Lord and have a tally mark of all of the sins that you have committed because when Jesus says your sins are forgiven, they're wiped away with a magic eraser. And you are made holy. All of these sins that you've lugged around for years, that you've beat yourself up with, that you've tortured yourself with, they will not even exist. They will be out of the memory. That is the promise of this unconditional love, this unconditional grace, this unconditional forgiveness. That when you stand before God, you have already been made righteous because you are a saint. And I know that some of you are like, yeah, yeah, maybe that guy's a saint. Saint Marge, you're a saint. Saint Bernadette, you're a saint. Saint George, you're a saint. It's a beautiful thing. You are a saint. Not because of anything you've done, but because of what Jesus has done. But I know sometimes when I look in the mirror, the last thing I see is a saint. It's so much easier for us to hear the words of, you've messed up again. You've fallen short again. And the truth is, no matter how hard you try on this side of the grave, you will mess up again. You will fall short again. Because yes, indeed, sin has a grip on us. And I will tell you, some days it gets really hard being your only cheerleader, looking in the mirror saying, you are good enough. Come on, we got this. Doesn't it? Isn't it easier to believe the lies and just say like, yeah, I'm not good enough. And I, I'm going to be raw with you. This week, the last couple of weeks have just kind of stunk around here. Like it's been a hard ministry roller coaster. We've had lots of death. We've had lots of need. People are just struggling. You can look through the newspaper and you can read the stories about like depressions at an all-time high. It, it is a tough go right now. And we give a lot of ourselves. My whole ministry is about giving to people. And I don't give a little bit. I don't know how to give without my whole heart. But what hurts is when you get the emails and the text saying, you're not giving to me enough. Because what I hear then is, you're not good enough. You don't measure up, right? 
That's very human. And because of this being a sinner, because of believing the enemy, those words sing louder in my ear sometimes than you're a child of God, you're a saint. Does anybody relate to that? We might hear 99 compliments and one negative, and what's the one that plays over in your head? Darn it. It's like a worm, right? That's very real of us because that's the enemy whispering in our ear, you aren't enough. You aren't good enough. You can't do this. What were you thinking? This is what happens to us. But when we are rooted in the love of Christ, when we are rooted, we can start to believe the words of Jesus that yes, you are enough because I've already done it all for you. And we allow that message to sink in. That's when we can say, get thee behind me, Satan. And we can get our strength from that. Because yeah, we're sinners and we are going to fall short. And it is so easy to cast stones at everybody else who's falling short. Because I don't want to be alone on that island of sin. I want company there. So I'm going to point out what you're doing wrong too. And then all of a sudden, we're not loving ourselves and we're not extending love to anybody else. But then Jesus shows up. And Jesus reminds us that we don't have to be enough. He's enough. And he loves us. And he chose to sacrifice his life for us. And when we realize that, even in the middle of our sins, Jesus said, we are enough. Why do we put so much stock into what everybody else thinks then? If Jesus says, we are enough. I'll tell you, some of the most beautiful people I know have the most colored pasts around. And this week somebody shared a quote with me and I think it's so true. All saints have a past and all sinners have a future. All saints have a past, all sinners have a future. What that means is Christ's love and forgiveness are not about what you can do for him. It's about what Jesus has already done for you. It shifts the perspective. So the term sinner no longer has to be the descriptive identity that we claim. In fact, we, when we are in Christ, when we are rooted in that, that's where our ultimate identity lies, is in Jesus so we know we sin and we know we fall short of the glory of God, yes, but Jesus took away all that sin. Jesus suffered the punishment so that we can be made right in the eyes of God. That's that grace and that unconditional love that Luther had this aha moment about. And it's for each of us. So how as we mature in our faith, how do we live in response to that kind of amazing grace? Well, in Ephesians, we're told, be imitators of God as beloved children. Walk in love as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. That means we can walk in love knowing that we are forgiven children of God. We don't have to be perfect. God is. Where we fall short, God carries us. So Luther's whole point was we're not like 50% sinner, 50% saint. 
He was saying, we are all 100% sinner. We are earthly creatures. We are humans that have struggles. We, su- we suffer pride and greed and lust. We have secrets. All of that, all of that makes us a sinner. It doesn't matter how much we accomplish. It doesn't matter how much we collect, how much we think we are in control. None of that matters because we will continue to disappoint. But because we are 100% saint, because we have already been justified by the work of Christ. Our identity doesn't have to be anchored in all of that stuff. It has to be firmly anchored in Christ's accomplishment. What he did, not us. In Christ's strength, not ours. In Christ's performance, not yours. In Christ's victory, not our victory. That means our identity, who we ultimately are, is established in Jesus' sacrifice, not in your sin. And isn't it wonderful to know that nothing can separate us from that love? Nothing can separate us from God's love. Not even sin. Nothing can separate us from God's love because it's not dependent on you. It's fully and entirely dependent on what Jesus has done for you. So face it. You're a saint You are a saint. So that means, can you change your perspective? Can you have the aha moment to actually love yourself enough to accept this insanely huge gift of God? It is freely given to you. The victory has been won. You do not need to live as somebody who's constantly in battle because you are victors through Christ. So it's not about you earning this love. It's not about you accomplishing enough to get there, to become a saint. It's about Jesus looking out and saying, I want a relationship with each of you because you are mine, because you are enough. So don't let this world convince you otherwise. When you see yourself falling into this trap of the enemy, Cut yourself some slack. We're all going to fall. But you don't need to do it alone because Christ has already done it for you. Because Jesus thinks you matter. Because Jesus says you are forgiven. Because Jesus says you are a child of the God Most High and you are loved unconditionally. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for what you have done to cleanse us of all the baggage and garbage and junk that we carry around with us. And when we start to believe the whispers of the enemy, Lord, we ask for your voice to be loud and clear in our head that we matter because you have chosen us, that you love us so much, and that you have forgiven us. Help each and every one of us to be rooted in that love so that our identity comes from what you have done for us, not what we can do for you. And Lord, I ask for your Holy Spirit to fill every person here today so when they leave, they remember that they are, yes, a sinner, but a sinner who is also a saint because of your love for us. So thank you, Jesus, 
for never giving up on us and for always reminding us that we are worth it. In your holy name we pray, amen.